We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. everybody to solo shift week 12 uh, i'm scroll patrol jam to win uh jam we were saying earlier this season that like once basketball starts it gets so hard to remember like the last slate right by friday but i feel like we had the last slate just yesterday yeah i would guess that most people feel that way you know i played like two percent of my normal volume yesterday i just i couldn't find like my edge and I just decided to go light, but, uh, but yeah, I had a good, I had a really good week 12. I had a uh, finished second in the power sweep and, uh, had like seven rushes in the top 200 in the slant. So, um, and then, yeah, just yesterday didn't have it. And I was right. I had one roster and it finished like 10 shots shy of last place. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, kind of ended up taking yesterday off, not from a content and preparation perspective, but from a play perspective and hoping to keep things rolling this week. Good. Yeah. I, I, really went overweight Josh Allen. I ended up overweight Josh Allen and I finished second in both qualifiers, which is like tilting. Oh, <laughs> that's tilting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but the FanDuel and DraftKings one, it was like, and I had like competing players on the roster. So it was like, like Ramondre Stevenson had to end the game in a very narrow range for me not to win either qualifier. But the, the FanDuel second place one actually pays up pretty decently. 
uh, DraftKings, not so, <laughs> not so much. But yeah, that's a, that's the thing about the qualifiers, man. When you miss those, you know, I had a year where uh, I, mean, I haven't played qualifiers in like six years, but I had a year it was 2015 when DFS was softer. But I actually was profitable in qualifiers without winning a single one until like week 15 because I finished so many second and third places that, that those small payouts, like I was actually up money in qualifiers instead of not winning any. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't really touched them since that year. So maybe, uh, maybe that's a, a sign that I should get back to it next year and maybe join you at one of these live finals. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I find them to be a lot of fun. I, you know, I, I find them to be profitable, but it is a, when you miss out on one, you never remember the ones you win by a fraction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The ones, the ones where you lose by a fraction of a point just seems like an injustice. You know? Yeah. And you remember those for you. I could still tell you details of ones from 2014, 2015 of second place, third place finishes in, in these qualifiers. But, uh, but yeah, enough about us, right? How about, uh, what about this slate that we got ahead of us? Uh, we got an interesting slate, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I woke up this morning. I you know, started looking at this slate because it's, it's a fresh new slate. I thought this is a mess. Like this is <laughs> like it, there's injury news. It does. It seems like the injury news is a little bit delayed uh, on on the, the holiday week and the and really you know two sets of games and then you know like content. I, I think you addressed it in your email um, that goes out to your subscribers. But it like content is a mess this week because you basically everybody has to do two sets of content within the same week and. For the full slate, you like you wake up on Friday and that's it. Like you, you know, you start on Friday, uh, and it it does. It seems like it's the week of backup running back. Like every time today, I started trying to like fill out, you know, the, like in the expert survey or, or just get my thoughts down in kind of paper form. Like another running back was going down. It's like, oh, and, you know, this guy is probably going to be going to be starting. So I think it's like Latavius Murray, uh, Pirine, um, Rashad White. Uh, Jeff Wilson probably is going to be getting the the bulk of the carries in Miami because uh, it looks like Raheem Mostert's uh, I think a long shot to to make the game. So yeah, I mean I guess we can kind of start at the running back position where it's it's, it's a little bit difficult to rank those guys, but there there are some price discrepancies between the two sites as well. Yeah, I was I was I'm almost a little disappointed. I wanted I wanted Fournette to play so I could play Rashad White at low ownership. It was similar to the Pollard situation last week where it was like. Uh, last week we were like, "Hey, let's hope that Zeke is active, and then we can play Pollard, and people won't be on him." Uh, and then I was hoping that we could get Rashad White at low ownership and Latavius Murray at high ownership, and I could just not play this this mediocre running back on this bad offense, uh, who's probably not going to see more than sixty percent of the snaps, right? Because we we look at it from the outside and we're like, "Oh, they got rid of Melvin Gordon and Chase Edmonds is hurt. They only have Latavius Murray, but they don't only have Latavius Murray, right? They have Marlon Mack, and they're probably called somebody from the practice squad." And, Latavius Murray, it, like he wasn't on a team a month ago for a reason. And, you know, he's probably going to get 60% of the touches and finish with like 60, 65 rushing yards. So I was hoping we would have Latavius Murray chalk, low owned Rashad White. I was hoping Raheem Mostert would be active and Jeff Wilson, there'd be kind of question marks like, do we play Jeff Wilson? Do we not? Um, but instead, it's just like all the value at running back. And we also have value at, at wide receiver, right? Like Garrett Wilson's underpriced with Zach Wilson no longer under center. Traylon Burks is underpriced. People don't want to play Julio Jones, but he's underpriced. And so it's a weird week for week 12 where think about week 11 and week 10, where it was like, Hey, here are these guys who are, who wouldn't be chalk in a normal week, but they're chalk just because pricing so tight and they have some sort of role in like the Damon Pierce type guys. And, and now all of a sudden week 12, it's like a week two type of week where we have all this salary available and then yet nobody, probably nobody really is going to use this extra salary to get up to 
Patrick Mahomes. And then we've got this, uh, you know, people probably won't use the salary to get up Travis Kelsey. We've got all these cheap running backs. So might be lower ownership on Austin Eckler than you might expect. And, uh, and you know, people want to play Kenneth Walker if they're paying up a little bit. And then Josh Jacobs is still attractive. So yeah, I think that this sets up still well for tournaments, but it went from like these really interesting value running backs that might be under owned to now it's like, these are really sharp plays and they're going to be high owned. So it's, it's hard to move off of sharp plays that are going to be high owned because you know, that you still have to beat those plays if you don't have them. So uh, Michael Carter's another one we didn't bring up with, um, with Mike white under center last year, Ty Johnson and Michael Carter averaged 12.3 receptions per game in the three games that Mike white saw most of the snaps under center. So uh, yeah, just like a lot of available, cheaper running backs and then some good kind of mid-range running backs with Kenneth Walker and, and Josh Jacobs and even a good high price running back in Austin Eckler. So um, yeah, it'll be an interesting week and it'll be an interesting week to see, Hey, how can we uh, leverage ownership to kind of make sharper decisions ourselves? It, it seems like almost a basketball slate where there's very easily identifiable value, but it's a question of who do you want to spend up on then? Uh, and in, in multi-entry, it'll, it'll probably be everybody like that'll be the answer. Like I'll, I'll probably use a lot of the value and then spend up on, you know, rotate those lineups around uh, the high priced guys, right? So like rotate the high priced guys through the lineups, but keeping a lot of the same value plays. Um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's difficult for single entry. You, you brought up the Jets situation. I think that was my answer for what team do I think I'll be most overweight on? Because it's a, a 38 and a half point total, I think. And I was thinking, like, I don't know, like, I was trying to think, is this Mike White's first NFL start? You know, if I'm looking through the game logs, like, oh, he threw for 400 yards last year, <laughs> like, in, in one game. Um, and, yeah, and so and that makes Garrett Wilson interesting. That makes the running backs interesting. I didn't realize that that point of the receptions, I was actually looking at Michael Carter anyway, because he's, he's a cheap running back that I don't think people will look at because there's a bunch of other cheap running backs. Um, but, yeah, they're playing a, a Bears defense that gives up the fifth most points in the league um, and they've been particularly bad over the last month or so um so it's it's interesting because like i yeah i mean the jets he has 22 points in five point total uh that's probably you know that's that's more than a lot of, of other teams um on the slate we've got some really low five point totals. <laughs> yeah we only have we only have five teams implied for more than 24 points so when you take away those teams you do have this this clumped up bunch of like 22 points versus 24 points. It's not that big of a difference. And yeah, I think that people kind of remember like, Oh yeah. Michael Carter had like an eight catch game and a six catch game with, with Mike white. But I think that they forget that Ty Johnson also got a bunch of catches in those games. And, and that's less, less likely for James Robinson. So it's the sort of spot where Michael Carter could, uh, and, and, and Pete Overzet mentioned to me that Lord Reeves brought up the fact that also last year, the jets had no wide receivers. So it's not like Mike white's just definitely going to come out and throw you know, 12 receptions to, to Michael Carter, but even still, man, five, six catches for Michael Carter is very much in the mix this week. And, and this is a well-designed offense. They're going to get some short area passes, easy throws to Garrett Wilson available for uh, Mike White. So I definitely think that's one, you know, it's another interesting one this week. So uh, and I'll, I'll preface it with this because I'm kind of on this offense almost to the same extent. So two weeks ago, uh, no, uh, three weeks ago, I said, Justin Fields, uh, two weeks ago, I said Jonathan Taylor. Last week, I said Joe Burrow. Here's my one this week, okay? Tom Brady and the Bucks, And apparently, people don't want to play them. Uh, Mike Evans is coming in with 4% projected ownership right now in OWS, and Tom Brady under 5%, Julio Jones under 1%. Everybody's going to be on Rashad White. 
But this is the Bucks coming off the bye. And I know that they've been bad this year. They've got a low implied team total, but we have seen like a 20-year sample size of Brady coming off the bye. And like they've improved things that they need to improve on. They've gotten rid of things they need to get rid of. And who's to say that they won't come out against a team that's bottom three in DVOA, bottom three in points allowed, and have a really nice game here. And I think that getting them at, at low ownership, I mean, my quarterback list is is like six guys. It's like it's Geno, it's Carr. It's it's Mahomes, it's Burrow, it's maybe Kyler, and then it's Tom Brady. And people don't want to play Tom Brady this week. And so uh, if people don't want to play Tom Brady, people don't want to play Tom Brady with Mike Evans. I think that's really interesting. And, and realistically, Rashad White's a super sharp play. But – and you can play Brady plus White plus a pass catcher. Or there's so many sharp, cheaper running backs that – let's say Rashad White has a nice game but doesn't score the touchdowns, gets 16 points – and Michael Carter puts up 24 and Jeff Wilson puts up 28 or 30. Well, you can then end up with Brady, Julio, Mike Evans, and their massive leverage off what will probably be one of the highest owned running backs on the slate. So, uh, you know, if, if Brady throws for three touchdown passes and White doesn't score any, all these Brady passing touchdowns are taking away points from all these Rashad White rosters. And so uh, I think that's a really interesting one that I'll be paying attention to this week. Yeah, there's a few things to dissect there. One is like the Bucks haven't been – on a main slate for a while. Like they're really like out of sight, out of mind. Cause they were in London. They were, I guess, by week last week. And then in London, the week before that, I mean, yeah, it's been like three weeks um, and, and three weeks and like four slates, right. Since like we, we had Tampa Bay and they, they weren't looking good, but it's, you know, they're still like five and five, like they're probably going to make the playoffs. And, but like they, they need to do well the second half of the season, but there's like probably no other team that's as good as them in their division. Um, and yeah, like you said, we've seen Brady, do better after the bye week. We've seen him get stronger as the year goes on and get the team, you know, moving better on offense as the year goes on. Uh, and and it's tough to find a passing offense like this week. Like there's a bunch of cheap like value running backs so I think could all do well, but it's it's harder to pick out like the the passing offense that you think will do really well. And each of those cheap running backs kind of has a passing offense that could maybe do well or vice versa. So I think a lot of people will be on the Miami passing offense, like Tua, Tyreek Hill, they've got a high implied point total. But like, you know, Jeff Wilson's a, you know, definitely a good running back play, although he's got a huge price discrepancy between FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, he's like a value play on DraftKings and you know, on FanDuel is more expensive, like by $600 than, than Alvin Kamara. Um, I think he's like 7700 <laughs> on FanDuel. Really? Um, yeah. Which is like the, the DraftKings equivalent of like 6500 so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's seventy seven hundred on on FanDuel. Kamara is like seventy one hundred. Like David Montgomery's seventy five hundred. Um, so yeah, so actually, I, that might be my strategy this week is to, uh, you know, and if, if yeah, I think it works in single entry, like you know, take maybe five six rosters, take some of the cheaper running backs that are going to be very highly owned. I think I think Rashad White's going to be very highly owned. I think Jeff Wilson will be highly owned. I think uh, Samaje Pirine will be will be heavily owned, um, and like alternate the cheap running backs with the passing offenses from that team. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I love the that. Cincinnati passing offense. Right. And like people, I, I guess Jamar Chase is questionable, but like, yeah, Jamar Chase ends up playing. Then you've got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, um, probably at, at like very small ownership because everybody's going to be playing Pirine. Um, and I like the matchup. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Tennessee, like one of the teams that gives up the most passing yards in the per game in the league. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I will have 
I'll let people take all the P Ryan they want. I won't have any P Ryan. And, and as I always say, that doesn't mean that this guy can't hit. It just means that his chances are lower than the field is going to perceive against the number one run defense in football that faces the lowest opponent rush play rate in the NFL. The Titans uh, face over 40 pass attempts per game. Uh, only two teams all season have thrown fewer than 37 passes against them. That was Daniel Jones and this run heavy lion, uh, run heavy Giants offense. And then uh, the Houston Texans, Davis Mills, went on in a game where the Texans didn't have the ball at all, all game, and Tennessee just dominated time of possession. The others, every other game that the Titans have played this season, every other eight games that the Titans have played this season, the opponent, opposing quarterback has thrown 37 or more passes. Joe Burrow averages 37.3 passes per game, third highest pass rate over expectation. There's no way that the Bengals come in this game and are like, you know what, let's just run the ball against this number one run defense. They love throwing the ball. They're going to throw the ball in this spot. And this another one, people just aren't going to be on this one. And Piran's going to catch some passes, but I think Chris Evans will be mixed in a little bit. And if Piran doesn't get the touchdowns, well, then he's not helping you. And that's another interesting thing, too, about the, the uh, Buccaneers situation is like, Everybody wants to, like, I understand the price tag is sweet on Rashad White, but so is the price tag on Tom Brady. Everybody wants to play Rashad White as if, like, the Buccaneers are going to go out and score a bunch of touchdowns and he's guaranteed to get those touchdowns and yet not flip that around and say, yeah, but what if the touchdowns come through the air? And, and you talk about, you know, I mean, that's just like class, classic Blender HD strategy is like, well, I don't even have to know anything about this sport. I just have to know that the touchdowns can come through the air if everybody thinks they're going to come on the ground. And if that happens, Rashad White ends up, like I said, like, he ends up with like 16, 17 points. I mean, how many times has Fournette gone above 20 points this year, right? And so if Rashad White ends up with like 15, 16 points, and again, to be clear, I really like the Rashad White play this week, but if he ends up with with lower points and Brady gets the touchdowns, it just becomes a smash play. And, and so, yeah, uh, Leonard Fournette, 11 points, 14.8 points, 4.6 points. He's got two games all season over 18.7 and he's had the backfield mostly to himself throughout most of the year. And so uh, it's not inconceivable that Rashad White comes out and has 15 to 18 points and everybody's on him. And that's a nice score. But what if Michael Carter puts up 25? What if Jeff Wilson puts up 30? And what if Brady gets the touchdowns? And so uh, I like what you said, right? If you're building for single entry, you got five or six rosters that you're cycling through these single entry contests and then just mix and match leverage off of these popular, cheaper running backs. So I was actually interested, you mentioned your list of quarterbacks, um, and you mentioned Derek Carr. It was a name I wasn't expecting you to say, um, just because, you know, the, the Raiders, I think the perception is the Raiders have just been terrible this year, um, and they, they've definitely been a disappointing NFL team, uh, but like Devontae Adams and, like, yeah, like Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs have both had incredible smash games. Um, Devontae Adams particularly has put up like 30 points, I think, in three consecutive uh you know, uh, by drafting scoring like three consecutive games. Um, I was surprised to hear you say Derek Carr. And I just looked on, on DraftKings. Like I, I kind of like Mike Waite as like a sneaky, really cheap, you know, quarterback play. Uh, but we, I, it's a question. I don't know if we, we need the salary, but like Derek Carr is just 5,700. Like he's a, only a few hundred more than, than Mike White. And, and nobody, you know, I guess he's 800 more than Mike White. People weren't expecting Mike White to even start. Like it's a, you know, really cheap quarterback. Oh, I think you're on mute. Uh, to me, it's just a game environment thing. It's it's when I'm looking at this slate, what games could end up ascending well above the others. And the only game environment, like obviously Kansas City could smash, Miami could smash and score a lot of points. But in terms of like that Patriots-Vikings game last night, 
where it just ended up being back and forth and both teams remained aggressive. And I took this on underdog parlays. I took the uh, second half under on pass attempts for Mac Jones. Cause I was like, okay, the Patriots are going to come in at halftime and be like, look, we got to slow this game down. We got to get back to our roots. We got to run the ball. And uh, you know, the game second half started and Tony Dungy was saying, you know, we should expect the Patriots to run the ball a lot more here. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to hit this Mac Jones under. Right. And then like, they just kept passing the ball. Cause that was kind of the environment that they were in. The only two games that really set up that way are chargers and Cardinals and Raiders and Seahawks. And in terms of like two offenses that can score points and the game could end up being really high scoring. And so when I'm looking at, quarterbacks kind of thin in terms of sealing games, right? There's we're, Lamar Jackson, unless this game shoots out, we know he's probably not putting up a huge game. He's obviously very interesting. He's going to be low owned, uh, but unless the game shoots out, he doesn't typically put up a big game. And, and then, you know, Hertz is off of this slate and uh, you know, Kyler Murray doesn't really run as much these days. And, uh, and Patrick Mahomes good play, but we're, we're kind of missing some of these. J- Justin Fields is kind of banged up or he might not start playing a really tough jets defense. And so it's like, we're probably just on these yardage and touchdown quarterbacks for the most part. And so then what's the game environment that could lead to one of these quarterbacks having a big game. Uh, so yeah, Derek Carr's definitely not a, a guy I'm like excited to play, but when I look at who can actually win me a tournament this week, he's on that list. And uh, to what you said about uh, Devonte Adams, we talked about this last week, but it, again, we'll throw out the Devonte Adams flu game. It's not six games in a row that one of Josh Jacobs or Devonte Adams has scored 30 plus points. It is hard to get 30 pointers in, in DFS. And it's a basically a 50, 50 coin flip. And every time that one of them doesn't score 30 points, they score 20 points, right? So if you pick the wrong guy, he's getting you 20 points, 20 plus points. If you pick the right guy, he's getting you 30 plus points. And so uh, last week I said, if their game were anywhere, but at Denver, I would have had one of them on hundred percent of my rosters, just mixing, you know, Josh Jacobs on 50%, Devontae Adams on 50%. Uh, I had them on like 70% of my rosters last week. Uh, this week, I'll probably have them 100%. Like one of Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams, 100% of my rosters because this offense is so concentrated. And we've talked about that over the weeks, the value of a concentrated offense that d- everything on this offense revolves around these two guys that now six weeks in a row, six games in a row, one of these guys has scored 30 plus. And just knowing that you've got a 50-50 shot at a, a 30-point score is so valuable. And then, yeah, I think that, Derek Carr tacks onto that uh, in an interesting manner. It's a guy nobody wants to play. And um, we can go back to Eric Crane's Millie Maker win, right? It's like you, Big T on Sunday morning, brought up uh, Derek Carr as just like, hey, here's a guy who can go for a huge game that nobody ever wants to play him. And Crane was like, you know what? Let me get Carr on some of these rosters. And Carr goes out and has this monster game because he has that in him. It just, they come rarely enough that people don't want to chase after it. But then, you know, if he's 2% owned, does it happen more than 2% of the time? Yeah. And on a site like this, it could have a lot of value if he goes for 30 plus. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, actually, I was doing the Sunday morning show a couple of weeks ago, and I it was the week that I suggested... Um, you know, as a as a great stack on the show, I, I said, you know, one stack to win it all is gonna be uh Justin Fields and, and Tyree Kill. And we are then Eric Bymfort and I were talking about the Raiders that you know that show as well. That was the two things we talked about for most of the shows. Uh that Devontae Adams could go absolutely berserk and nobody wanted to play him because I think it was just coming off the two game. Uh and there's a bunch of people in chat saying, like, oh, like you can't play the Raiders. Like nobody you, there's no reason to play the Raiders. We're Raiders fans, but like the team's just so bad. But it, it's crazy how there's such a like differentiation between fantasy football and real football. Like, yeah, the, the real football. Um, I mean, real football. Like Chicago's had a disappointing season. Like everybody yeah, yeah. was playing with fields. Like, but like they, they've lost a bunch of games in a row. Um, and same thing with the Raiders. You know, they've lost a bunch of games, but they actually have put up uh, really good scores for for DFS for fantasy football. Um, yeah, and it is. It's either Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams, and nobody else is really stepped up and it's probably not a coincidence like Darren Waller is a major part of their offense and he's been gone for almost the entire season um Hunter Renfro has also been been battling injuries um so yeah it basically comes down to Josh Jacobs and um and Devontae Adams and they're getting a huge percentage of the offense which is all we want for for DFS Um, yeah and and people are going to want to play Geno Smith this week and it's like yeah but what if Kenneth Walker gets the people want to play Geno and they want to play Kenneth Walker. They expect this offense to put up points, but that probably means it's a competitive game. I mean, the Raiders uh, won by six points, lost by five, lost by seven. Uh, then they had two, a, a blowout win, a blowout loss, lost by one, won by nine, lost by two, lost by six, lost by five. I mean, they, they're in every single game. So if Seattle is putting up the type of score that has Geno at the top of a tournament, uh, well, then they're just as likely to that Derek Carr is putting up the type of score that has Derek Carr at the top of a tournament. Uh, and at much lower ownership. So like a Kenneth Walker, you know, Kenneth Walker takes away points from Geno Smith. You play Kenneth Walker, you play Derek Carr plus Devontae Adams. It's just an interesting way to go. And again, it's not a high percentage bet, but it's a higher percentage than what ownership will think. Yeah, I do. I think Kenneth Walker will be popular, but you you bring up a good point because I think Geno Smith is going to be popular as well. I don't know that that's a pairing that makes sense, but like running Kenneth Walker back, especially on a week we have a lot of salary, like running Kenneth Walker back with Devonta Adams does make sense because Adams is expensive. Um, Kenneth Walker is pretty value priced uh, considering his potential on, on DraftKings. Um, yeah, he's at 6,900. So I, I, I like the the correlation and kind of the pairing between Kenneth Walker and, and Devonta Adams. And uh, yeah, uh, Derek Carr makes a, a, a good quarterback for that kind of, for that kind of team. And we're kind of building a single entry roster right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Getting- yeah. Do you have any, um, like what, what's your take on this Dolphins passing attack this week? And I'll, uh, I'll throw this out there. I mean, uh, Texans have allowed the fewest wide receiver receptions 
the sixth fewest wide receiver yards, the fewest wide receiver touchdowns, not because they're a tough pass defense, but just because teams don't pass against them. The teams are always leading games against them. Teams, it's so easy to run against them. The teams just don't pass against them. Do uh, you have any thoughts on on uh, how you're going to approach like Tua and Tyreek Hill? Because I kind of think that they'll probably be somewhat popular this week. Um, and they're kind of the, the sort of situation where I guess right now we have Tyreek at only 13.3%. That's kind of the spot where it's like, I don't want to play Tyreek Hill, but if he's 13.3% owned, I'd probably end up a little overweight the field as opposed to if he's 20% owned. And then I'm like, cool, that's easy for me to, to fade him just because of I understand how teams generally attack the Texans defense. Yeah, Tyreek is a scary player to fade. <laughs> like I'm probably not going to uh, aim to be underweight on him just because you know, like I, I, like I can distinctly remember weeks when Tyreek Hill was on the Chiefs and I remember, oh, he's my fade of the week and him going for like 200 yards in the first quarter against uh, Baltimore. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, like Tyreek Hill's a scary player to fade. But I actually, I remember us talking about the Houston run defense when they were playing Washington, which might have just been last week or the week before. Uh, but we were saying that, yeah, like uh, we could play both Washington running backs against Houston because it's a bad rushing defense. And actually, I think the, the phrase teams don't feel the need to run um, or teams don't feel the need to pass on Houston is actually probably the, the best way of putting it. Like Houston doesn't have an offense where people are really scared. They're going to like Houston's going to get out to a huge insurmountable lead, right? Like they're not, Houston's not going to be throwing the ball all over the field. Um, so if like, if you have a good rushing game, why not just run the ball against Houston if they can't defend the run? Um, and, but yeah, you know, and if that doesn't work, then you can start passing. But like for the most part, you can just rush against Houston, get a touchdown they're not going to be able to come back with their uh, with their offense, and then then you just keep rushing the ball. Um, and I think that's how teams end up just running the ball against Houston. Can you can you imagine being a Texans fan? Are there Texans fans? Do those exist? That would, that would be such a a bummer of a season this year, um, just to have to sit through all these games. But yeah, it's it's one of those. It's like last week I kept saying that I didn't want to play Mark Andrews because I figured the Ravens were going to go run heavy and and all that. But it was like, but if he's going to be low owned, I'm going to be like way overweight the field. Right. And I was kind of hoping he'd be high owned because I thought that he would disappoint. And then I could just not play him myself, but he ended up being like 3.6% owned. So I had 10% Mark Andrews. I had him on one of my three main builds and, you know, he went out and put up 12.2 points. It's kind of like that with Tyree kill. Like I actually don't want to play him because I don't expect the dolphins to come out and pass the ball. But if he's going to be 13% owned or lower than that sort of play where I start considering him and maybe even on my, on my main bill, Jalen Waddle also coming in with 4% projected ownership, which um, it's funny to me that the gap between those two, right? Because obviously Hill's going to hit more often, but Jalen Waddle can also hit for these monster games on low volume. He doesn't need uh, heavy volume to hit. So uh, another guy that'll be interesting to consider, including, you know, on, on tighter builds, because if, if we're going to say that these chalky cheaper running backs are all sharp plays well, and then we're going to have some exposure to them on our like single entry build. We got to find some place to be different and uh, at least being different on like a guy who can go for 30 plus points, 35 plus points is at least a sharp way to go. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think the scary thing with Tyreek Hill is just that he like, it makes sense. Like I'm not going to lock button Tyreek Hill. Cause I, there's a lot of ways that he can fail or at least just put up a, a mediocre game. Uh, but he could also just break an 80 yard touchdown. And then, and suddenly, if he and if he is high owned, because I, I think he's going to be one of the more popular wide receiver plays, because I think he's going to show up in optimal lineups. Because um, Miami has got a high high point total, there's uncertainty at the running back position, so I think a lot of people are going to be playing Tyree Hill, not really thinking it through.
but they can get rewarded if Tyreek Hill, like if there's a breakdown in the secondary, <laughs> Tyreek Hill's front. Yeah, three. yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean we saw it. We saw it with Donovan Peoples-Jones last year where he had like two catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns or something like that, right? Like Tyreek Hill can have eight catches or six catches and, and go for 150 and a pair of scores and like he pays off in the first half and then doesn't do anything in the second half. Or or uh, A.J. Brown had that game a few weeks ago where he had 113 yards at, at halftime, didn't really need to do anything in the second half. Gabe Davis against Pittsburgh. Uh, Tyreek Hill could put up a game like that and he becomes a little bit uh, interesting. I, I Also, this one's interesting to me. Uh, Patrick Mahomes coming in with high projected ownership, Travis Kelsey, high projected ownership, uh, Juju Smith Schuster under 3% right now. Um, he's going to play this week. And, and we know that McCole Hardman's going to be out. We know that um, Kadarius Tony is going to be out. So we know who's going to be on the field for Kansas city. I think that playing Mahomes with Kansas city wideouts is also an interesting way to go this week. Yeah. That's actually the, the one team I wanted to make sure we hit on because I think they have the highest implied point total. Um, yeah, I don't know how popular it'll be, but it, they'll probably end up being pretty popular because the downside to Kansas City offense is you have to really spend up generally to get the pieces. Like the pieces you want are Mahomes and Kelsey. And I do, I think Mahomes and Kelsey, and particularly Kelsey, will be popular because people are going to, there's nothing really else at tight end other than maybe Mark Andrews. And I think there is going to be salary left over. And so people are going to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to spend it at the tight end position on, on Travis Kelsey. Uh, but it's, it's a difficult situation because they I think that, yeah, they're playing the Rams and Rams are starting uh, Bryce Perkins and <laughs> one of the lower implied point totals that I can remember seeing. Like I, I remember the jets like a few years ago, I think we're at like 11 points or something like that or 12 points. Yeah, it's and, like I, one of the, like maybe the lowest since then. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the lowest since then. Um, and I think that's a, that's a question then like how much is Kansas city really going to have to push the ball? Like they could easily get up fourteen nothing, and I mean maybe Perkins, you know, surprises and and he puts up a, a great game coming. But like I don't know, maybe maybe the Chiefs get two touchdowns and they don't need to do anything else the rest of the game. And it's clear they don't need to do anything else the rest of the game. And, and Mahomes and Kelsey are playing the fourth quarter. Um. So, but I do I think Juju Smith Schuster is an interesting call because we don't know even if it is just two touchdowns, we don't know where those two touchdowns are going to come from. Um. I think Isaiah Pacheco is going to end up being popular, but. Yeah, Smith Schuster. What is uh? What's Justin Watson's price? Because he's uh, he, if if Hardman and Tony are both out, like uh, Justin Watson's gonna be. Yeah, Justin Watson's three K. Sky Moore is three K. Uh, both coming in at sub two percent ownership. I'm sure Marquez Valdez Scantling is two point one percent owned. But I mean, those guys will be on the field. Those guys are gonna get schemed touches and and also this is kind of you remember when uh the everybody thought. The year before Brady joined the Bucs, everybody thought the Buccaneers defense was bad. But the Buccaneers defense wasn't bad. It was just that Jameis turned the ball over so much that opponents always had short fields and scored touchdowns. But then the Bucs run defense was so good that opponents had to keep passing against them deep into the game. And I kind of see this Rams defense the same way, right? They're like 26th in pass defense DVOA, 5th in run defense DVOA. And so there, there is an element here of like, Kansas City, yeah, by the fourth quarter, but in the third quarter, are they going to be like, hey, let's let's run Pacheco into a brick wall and just go three and out and like put our defense back on the field? Or are they going to say, hey, let's keep passing? And the interesting thing about the Rams is they force the shortest average depth of target in the NFL. So it's not like you're just bombing the ball downfield and getting these quick scores. 
it's like they force you to pass, but short area throws, which is again, very much like the bucks a few years ago. And, but it's just like, you keep completing the passes, you keep marching down the field. And so PPR scoring gets elevated against a team like this. And we saw when, when Kansas city played that number one run defense of Tennessee, Patrick Mahomes threw 68 passes and that was a competitive game, but still you could see kind of a game where they're like, well, let's just keep doing short area passes. And then you've got all these ancillary options outside of Kelsey who just pile up PPR scoring when with Mahomes throwing the ball 40, you know, Mahomes could throw it 40 times for like 280 yards because it's just a lot of short area passing, but every one of those catches is a full point and that, that just becomes so valuable. So yeah, I mean, I do think that those wide receivers become really interesting options on a site like this where um, yeah, there's, there's, you know, not as much the Garrett Wilson, if he's going to be 30 plus percent owned, you know, it's easy for Garrett Wilson to not have a monster game for, for him to have like 12, 15 points. And then all of a sudden people are like, well, I thought this was such a sure thing. And, and, you know, they've all got the same running backs that we have, but we're on different cheap wide receivers than them piling up points on this team implied to score over four touchdowns instead of the jets implied to score three touchdowns. So yeah, Kansas city, I think becomes very interesting this week and uh, a nice way to maybe find some tournament paths to first place. Or, I mean, I, that's the type of thing that like, you get these 1% Kansas city players. Those are qualifier winning type plays right there. If they go for 25 popular guys are going for 12 to 15. It'll be interesting to see how the, everything shakes out by Sunday. Cause it, it 3000 like Watson and sky Moore are both really interesting. Um, like the third wide receiver for the chiefs, a team that's got the highest, I think the highest implied point total in the week. One of the higher we've seen on the season and the season doesn't have like a ton of, of outlier uh, implied point totals or scores. Um, like 3K wide receivers are, are hard to find on on DraftKings, and I I wonder if they'll become popular, or and if they don't, like yeah, then that's great a great shot. You go cheap a wide receiver, then maybe you're spending up a running back, and you're avoiding you know some of the the cheap running backs, so that you know like Phil Tavius Murray's or uh, or you know like cheap running backs you don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in. I actually wanted to talk about the other side of that game, but not the Rams. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Chiefs defense. Yeah, it's actually the other big price discrepancy that jumped out at me looking at the slate is that the Chiefs are one of the more expensive defenses on FanDuel. They're like one of the cheaper, like they're only 2,800 on DraftKings. And that's, we don't talk about defenses often, but like I think that could end up being pretty chalky uh, by the end of the week. And that's a great way to get different single entry. Yeah, especially in, in single entry, right? You know that if they're like 30% in the Millie Maker, they're going to be 50% in, in single entry. Yeah, I mean, it's almost one of those things that if they don't score a touchdown, right, then they're not – I mean, they're probably going to put up 8 to 10 points no matter what. But if they don't score a touchdown, they don't end up burying you for not having them. And if you get the defense that does score a touchdown, then, you know, you're you're sitting pretty. Like, Kansas City has two games all season of double-digit defense special teams points, uh, only four picks and, and six fumbles recovered, only 10 turnovers forced. And – you know, just because you got a backup quarterback doesn't mean that they're going to turn the ball over a bunch. I, granted, uh, Chiefs have 32 sacks, which is near the top of the league, and we know how bad the uh, the offensive line is for the Rams. But, you know, if you're Sean McVay, what are you going to do? You're going to scheme up a lot of short, quick passes, try to avoid those sacks. And, um, yeah, I mean, you don't get that many points for holding an opponent to 13 total points right it's like you're still that's still only one defense special teams points you need the sacks you need the turnovers you need the defense special teams touchdowns from there um i'm kind of hoping this i'm hoping justin fields plays because justin fields is still taking i think the most sacks in the nfl he's still capable of turning the ball over uh, he's got the shoulder issue he's probably not going to run as much the jets are 
a very zone dominant defense, which makes it harder for quarterbacks to run against them. And so I could see the Jets defense at, at just a few hundred more, 3,300, uh, you know, putting up a much better score against Justin Fields at way low ownership than Kansas City puts up. Um, and then if Trevor Simeon starts, I think a lot more people will get onto uh, that Jets defense. And, and so then they become a little bit less attractive. But yeah, I mean, Kansas City, listen, Kansas City defense special teams play great play but when we're talking about tournaments you know it's pretty easy for them to it's a fragile play still it's pretty easy easy for them to get six to eight points and then doing something different there is a nice um a nice little edge i do i think it's rare that the super popular defense puts up puts up a ton of points because the super popular defense is often playing against a backup quarterback who has a coach that knows he's playing a backup quarterback yeah (laughs) he's not not, designing all these really super risky plays and a lot of times if it's a rushing quarterback like Bryce Perkins seems to get a lot of rushing yards in the, in the preseason like they're designing just a lot of quarterback rushes and that's that's not necessarily something that leads to to interceptions or you know it can lead to sacks and fumbles but it's not necessarily going to lead to you know a pick six or anything like that uh so I do I think defense is a good way good way to get different um I guess yeah we're a little over time any any last thoughts anything to, to wrap it up for the week are you going to play uh, Bryce Perkins in a large field qualifier this week? Uh, get some of those rush cards? I probably will. I, I'm probably going to play. A lot I, I kind of like it. I kind of yeah. like it. I'll, I'll throw him on like 3% of MME builds. Talk about massive leverage off of that Kansas City defense. Um, no, no other final thoughts for me than that. I mean, I, I really like this week. I think that we have to account for the fact that most of the chalky running backs are, or I should say there are enough good chalky running backs that some of them are going to hit. And so, uh, you don't want to go too far off the board at running back, but there are a lot of places where you can go off the board in terms of salary allocation. There are a lot of places where you can go off the board uh, in terms of stacks. There are a lot of places where you can go off the board at pass catchers. So uh, definitely a week I like a lot, right? Play some of these chalky running backs and then just do a lot of other things differently this week. I agree. Yeah, and I, I'll say just a final note. It feels like the plays that we're finding today are like last minute plays, right? Like the that the running backs that are going down. And I think people are going to think some of these guys are sneakier than they are. And we could end up, yeah. seeing, you know, yeah, we could end up seeing some really high ownership percentages as people think, well, nobody's been on this guy. Cause we've all been thinking about the Thanksgiving slate up until Thursday. Uh, but yeah, we'll see, see how it shakes out. Uh, that'll do it for this uh, solo ship. Good luck to everybody this week and we'll see you guys next week.